A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, folks, day three of Wimbledon is in the books. It is 11.29pm, obviously, because Wimbledon doesn't do night sessions. We're back at Tennis Podcast Towers, London edition. Myself, David Law, Matt Roberts. We've just had Chinese food. Uh, Oh, oh, yes, we have. Oh, yes, we have. David has eaten half a a bird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very very nice it was too. (laughs) Uh, We all opened our fortune cookies. Would everyone like to disclose their fortune, please? David? Hold on, I've got to turn it around, haven't I? Uh, pick a path with your heart. Love it. Okay. My, mine was the greatest wisdom is kindness. Can't argue with any of it so far, Matt. Mine was a bit of an attack. It was, <laughs> when you're in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> Did they know something that... <laughs> Right then, now where I want to go from here, and I realise I haven't prepped either of you for this, is some sort of a, a tennis tennis projection of your fortune cookies. Who, Whose who's fate today matches up to, to what was in your fortune cookie? Mine might be Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. <laughs> what, what happened to Alejandro Davidovich Fakina today, Matt? That's amazing. That felt like it's pre-planned, but it wasn't. (laughs) Well, he found a sort of a strange way to lose, shall we say. (laughs) Um, He was, of course, in another fifth set tiebreak, this time against Yuri Vesely, just a couple of days after his fifth set tiebreak victory over Hubert Hercatch. And he got a code violation during the fifth set tiebreak so of course another code violation would result in a point penalty so he needed to stop digging at that point he was in a (laughs) hole but he kept digging and he got himself another code violation this time for ball abuse on match point when he was match point down so he you don't want to be doing that do you so he lost an epic five setter because he got a point penalty on match point. And from the scenes I saw, he stayed on court, sat in his chair. For a very long, long time. after Yuri Vesely had left the court. And he, and he had a discussion in Spanish with umpire Carlos Ramos about why he was given a point penalty when his code violation was for something else, the second one. He didn't realise that... You know, he thought you could keep racking up brand new, brand new ones, varieties of insert uh, of insert Andy Murray. Nobody knows the fucking rules. <laughs> 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 okay, David, who who is your who whose day does your fortune match? Well, let's just remind ourselves that mine I've, was. If this would all. Matt's done us a disservice here. This this feature that I did not plan remotely should have been an absolute car crash. Uh, but Matt's just done a really wonderful 
answer there. Well, I, I, um, I just have sort of setting both of us up for a, a fall, but um, but I feel like I might at least not humiliate myself. Off you go, um, David. Pick a path with your heart is mine. Now I don't know Tim Van Rijthoven. <laughs> We've re- I'm we not start- sure anyone does. We've started David. with the big, you know, the the big global stories of the day. But <laughs> the Dutchman, who is now how old is he? He's 25 years of age and um, never what heard of mean, him. What do you mean? How old is he now? Well, like, we've only known about him for three weeks. <laughs> exactly, he's no, exactly the never same heard age of him. as he's always I been just get in our country. He's 104 in the world, and in his mid 20s, he has picked the path with his heart, and he has beaten Riley Opelka today, winning two out of the three tie breaks that they played, and he won in four sets. And I think it's it's an excellent win. I know Riley Opelka's not that good on grass actually, which is kind of a, kind of amusing given uh, he's seven foot tall and has that serve but tim van Rijthoven keeps on doing this he had that incredible result a few year, a few weeks ago and he won the tournament now he's backed it up he's into the third round of wimbledon he's picked the right path the path with his heart he's on a seven match winning streak he, he told took, you told he, you he took time off after his title and saved himself for wimbledon and it's working and He's a potential fourth round opponent for Novak Djokovic. Ooh. And he's I've I've literally never known this man to lose. So Same. In in my mind, he is unbeatable. Who's he got next? He has got Nikolas Basilashvili next. Winnable. Yeah. It's and honestly winnable. Honestly, he might be this is probably gonna sound absolutely ridiculous. He might be the kind of toughest possible opponent for someone like Djokovic just a totally unknown mm. quantity who's coming into the net on a win streak cue Djokovic winning 6-2 6-2 it's very interesting Tim van Rijthoven feels like my new Beatrice had admire oh sorry Tim <laughs> I needed somebody to replace um, just her. To, just to buy me a bit, of, a bit of extra time to answer my own question. Well, since you've raised Djokovic, should we talk about Djokovic? Because um, it wasn't quite a 6-1, 6-2, 6-2, but it was a supreme performance from Djokovic so today good. to beat to beat uh, Thanasi Kokonakis. I mean, you tweeted, David, that the real Novak Djokovic has has shown up now. You can forget how good he is sometimes, I think. And I think the same applies to to Rafael Nadal, but less so with him, simply because, at least mentally and energy-wise, he's always there. Okay, he was a bit scratchy the other day. But Djokovic, two days ago, I thought was unwell. I mean, if somebody, you know, we've seen Cilic and... Berrettini pulled out of this tournament with COVID. If somebody had told me after that match that Novak Djokovic has got COVID, I'd have believed it because he looked weary. He looked sluggish. He looked just really uncomfortable in, in a match against Kwon Soon Woo, who was, who was excellent in that match. And it was four sets. This was like a different human being. This was reminiscent of the match he won in 2018 on court number one against Karen Hachanov. Similar kind of player to Kakanakis, bulldozer of a, of a serve and a forehand, and you're expecting them to take the fight to Djokovic. And they tried, both of them tried, and you could see the look in their faces when the ball was coming back faster at them than they'd hit it. Because his timing when he's in this form, when he's in this mood, is so on. He looks like he's got more time than the opponent every time. He just strokes the ball, but the ball is pinging off the strings and putting them on the back foot. And it's, I think that's something he has over everybody else in the world, that that mode that he can employ. And he can't just do it on a whim. It's not like he, he can always do that. But when he's in that form, I mean, he looks extraordinary um, as a tennis player. And, and well, that was favourite tennis, really. Well, there was a wonderful line from Kokonakis in press afterwards where he was asked, in this form, do you think Djokovic will go on and win the title? And Kokonakis said, well, I hope so, because if that isn't title-winning form, then I'm further away than I than I thought I was. Yeah, that's well put. Um, mm. There was nothing going wrong at all with his game, but it's just 
It's just the way, I mean, the, the look, Pat Cash and I were commentating on it and we just kept looking at each other. The speed the ball was going through the air. You don't, you don't think of Djokovic as a big hitter as such because he, he can't, it's not always like that. But when, when he's connecting and on grass as well. Kokonakis called it a spanking on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. Um, Ketsmanovic now for Djokovic. Um, Ketsmanovic, who I picked to lose to John Millman in round one. More fool me. Um, I have picked my fortune cookie story. Okay. It's going to be a meandering podcast, folks. Bear with us. Good. Because I'm going to head for Emma Raducanu. My fortune cookie was the greatest wisdom is kindness. And that is what I want us all to afford Emma Raducanu today. She lost uh, in two close-ish sets to Caroline Garcia today. Um, Matt and I watched this match on Centre Court. David commentated on it for for BBC Radio on Centre Court. It was great ball striking. I mean, Caroline Garcia, when she's playing like this, I mean, she's she's the woman that Andy Murray predicted would be a world number one, isn't she? She's formidable, just the most beautiful boys, ball striker. The ball made a different sound coming off her rackets, coming off Emma Raducanu's. Um I don't think Raducanu played badly. I think she was under so much pressure on her serve throughout the match. She did actually she she broke the Garcia serve a number of times. She was she was a threat on return. Um and you know, there were a few real moments of magic, but she just she wasn't able to obey Carrillo's first, second, first law. You've got to hold serve. And um I, I think she could do with beefing up the serve a bit, particularly the second serve. But I also think Garcia was fantastic today and just kept her on the back foot throughout. And I think, you know, this is a completely normal defeat. She she won a match. She dug deep to win that match. She she found a way to get fit in, in time for the slam. She, she seemed physically fine today. She lost to an in-form player that's capable of being extremely good I think it's all you know we'd love we'd obviously all love it if she were winning Wimbledon or going on a deep run at Wimbledon but this is all extremely normal stuff and we should we should treat it as such and give her time and and space and and according to the fortune cookie kindness Mm. like a Harry Styles song treat people with kindness i have seen spontaneous conga lines erupt among strangers <laughs> to the tune of that song and uh, live at wembley and it will live with me forever it mm. was sheer sheer joy and i i wish that upon emma Raducanu. yes you would much prefer to observe a conga line than be in a conga line there's nothing better than being close to a conga line <laughs> I, I i'm not really built for conga lines <laughs> you know the people bef- in front and behind. I mean, it's, it's not the greatest experience for them. Um, anyway, well, no, uh, I think you've I think you've said it very well on on Emma Raducanu. That was exactly how I felt. I I was really impressed with Garcia. I did not expect that performance from her, and I think maybe she didn't expect it from herself either. Judging by some of the comments she gave in the press conference about her first experiences on the biggest courts in tennis in the past. She said, I've played on Philippe Chatre, I've played on Arthur Ashe, I've played on Rod Laver Arena and not dealt with it that well. They've not been happy places for me. I've got nervous, I've, I've got tight and that was kind of the Caroline Garcia I was expecting and I kept expecting it to come in the match. You know, when, when Raducanu broke back in the second set, I thought, right, okay, this might be the moment where... Garcia falters perhaps and Raducanu takes advantage of that but Garcia just instantly snapped back to playing her best tennis broke straight back to restore her advantage I just thought she was brilliant hitting the ball sweetly pushing Raducanu back following shots into the net and knocking off volleys yeah it was a really really good performance and absolutely I underrated her because she's you know she's come into Wimbledon on on a 
on the back of a title winning run and she seems to be carrying that form through she was really impressive a van reithoven-esque seven (laughs) match winning streak yeah indeed (laughs) (laughs) i thought you had something to add david but no the only thing i would add is one thing caroline garcia does is return a second serve halfway towards the service line she's she's a good couple of feet inside the baseline every single time and it's it appears to be the way you diffuse that is by getting enough good deep serves in and make her miss hit and Radicana just didn't she just fed the return really mm. I'm afraid um, and she and she got kind of inevitably what 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 she deserved from it punchy impress you said David well yeah actually she was I mean I wasn't in there so I didn't hear how these lines were delivered but but they're quite interesting to me written down Uh, you've had this incredible spotlight and pressure on you because of your great achievements last year how much of a challenge is that Radhikana replies I think I've been asked this every every press conference but I'm 19 years of age yes I've had attention but I'm a slam champion so no one's going to take that away from me yeah if anything the pressure is on those who haven't done that Um, later on she was asked next time you step onto a grand slam court it's going to be as a defending champion how much has this week in the grass court build up with all the home pressure helped you for for that moment there's no pressure she said like why is why is there any pressure? I'm still 19. It's a joke. I literally won a slam. Going back to New York, it's going to be cool because I've got a lot of experiences playing on big courts, playing with people in the stadium, playing with the spotlight on you. I don't mind that. I mean, for me, everything is learning and I'm embracing every single moment that is thrown at me. I like it. Do you think she got the... It's a joke line from Tim Emman. <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah. <laughs> he, he just said it over and over again, yeah, didn't he, on that was uh, US Tim's Open final night. Pretty perfect analysis of Emma Adekani winning the US Open. We're going to cross live to Tim Hemman now for his reaction. It's a joke. <laughs> I, re- I remember discovering it's a joke as a line as a tennis podcast listener while I was in the middle of my long COVID fever dreams in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know anything about it because I couldn't watch the coverage of the state I was in. It feels a long time ago now, doesn't it? Um, So that is is the fortune cookie... feature a spontaneous segment of the podcast over with we just 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 about got away with that (laughs) we were we were wondering how to start the show weren't we we? on the the way home Um, what's the lead story i've got nowhere to go now so (laughs) should we stay in british territory and in center court territory and cover andy murray i think so Mm. lost today to john isner in four sets isner went two sets to love up Murray fought back and and won the third on the tie break. And I think at that point, everybody certainly... I mean, David and I were sat on Henman Hill watching this. um, And, you know, maybe you're somewhat swayed by the atmosphere, you know, the feverish Murray atmosphere that you're in. But at that point, I was... I mean, I sent a message to the group, didn't I? Saying, we're all going to be here at midnight. You know, it's obviously going to be a Murray comeback. I thought once he got a foothold in that match, especially since... You know, physically, John Isner had looked like a reanimated corpse since midway through set one. Um, I thought that was it. I thought the Murray comeback was on and it would only gather pace. But that's forgetting the power of John Isner, isn't it? And, you know, it might not be everyone's favourite style of play, but my goodness me, when he's serving like that... It's the combination of serving like that and playing big points well because, yeah, yeah. you know, there'll be one or two opportunities in a set on the John Isner serve and you you both know that when you step onto the court and Isner knows he's got to play those points well. You know, break point down, second serve and he pulled some stuff out of the bag tonight, didn't he, on, on those big points and I'm really torn about how to view this one because I really think pretty much anyone can lose to John Isner on grass when he's serving at 81% for best he's played in years I would yeah. say in singles for, for two for those two sets he was serving at 80% and yeah. I'm not sure that's playable for anyone um and yet Murray had never lost to Isner before today and 
yeah, yeah I mean it's... I mean that's part of it isn't it Murray said in in the press conference exactly that it's, it's one or two points it's difficult to make big projections about his prospects based on just this match alone because it's such a one-off against Isner um, and the margins are so so small and yet Murray's played Isner eight times before this and always without exception been able to win those one or two points and those matches would have been the same against Isner because it's always like that look Isner was amazing today he really really was but Andy Murray, at his best, wins that match. I really, I really do think that Murray, at his best, finds a way to get returns back, chip away at Isner, and conjure up his best tennis on those biggest points. Even, even if Isner, a lot of the time, is taking it, taking the racket out of Murray's hands, Murray can do things to make Isner uncomfortable when he's at his best, and he just wasn't quite. Quite able to do that. Some similarities to what we saw with Serena last it, night, in a way, in that just that very fine-tuned match-winning moments, you know, weren't there for them. Mm. The, the 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 natural instincts. Yeah, and and the irresistible force of a champion, mm. that that intangible X factor, what Greg likes to call it. <laughs> Indeed. By the way, I, I didn't see any of the first two sets, um, but I, I joined it. I joined it for the best bit. I, I went into the press seats just with the last three games of that third set, when which Murray won. That is the loudest noise I have heard in centre court. I think I can't remember hearing a louder noise than that. Um, and because Murray was just ramping it up as well, he was. He was connecting with everybody in the stadium. I mean, we turn around to different parts of the stadium. It wasn't just focusing on one like he did last year. This was him and everybody in it together. And and the people just felt so good in the, the stadium for that moment. And then I went and joined Catherine and and, uh, and Math on, the, on Henman Hill. And, yeah, the idea that Henman wouldn't... <laughs> the, the idea that Murray wouldn't then go and, uh, and, and turn that into a victory would have felt preposterous at that point. And I mm. think that that just tells me how well Isner did to, to, to hold it on. And I actually think Isner and Garcia were inspired today. I, th- I think playing in centre court against the home favourites, maybe that takes a bit of the stress away yeah. because the pressure's mm. not... Nobody's really looking at you, are they? Uh, and I do think, you know, we we weren't too delighted with the schedule today where it was an incredibly centre court heavy schedule I think I'm perhaps a bit biased here because my brother and my dad were there today and they had centre court court one tickets rather um, that had been rolled over from from 2020 and look obviously there will be fans of the individual players that were on on court one but objectively speaking it was an incredibly weak schedule appeal wise compared to to center court and perhaps even compared to court two frankly um and maybe the schedulers who obviously would would want Radicano and Murray to stay and stitch themselves up a, a little bit by you know maybe it's a I don't know some sort of cautionary tale but I agree I I think perhaps one or two of those results might have been different had they not been on center court and I think um Garcia spoke about knowing what it felt like to be Emma Raducanu because she's been in that situation as the home favourite on Chatrier in Paris. And I think she used that experience a little bit to, you know, she knew what Raducanu would be feeling out there. Um, And yeah, as you said, she played the opposite role and played it brilliantly. Murray was furious, wasn't he, when he came into press, came in pretty quickly oh, just... I, I was worried about asking him questions the look in his eyes you know <laughs> he just looked like he was bursting for an argument with anybody <laughs> when he walked in yeah she said I mean I think that's is his post loss kind of mm. mode really and uh, but he he kind of settled a bit as it went I mean he still had a face like thunder throughout um but 
by the time I mean Catherine asked you asked him two questions and they they really they got him talking and there were a couple of others as well and he and he as you say he was just so disappointed and and you, your question to him was comparing how he feels now to how he felt after losing a year ago I think he lost in the third round mm. didn't he a year ago against Denis Shapovalov and that was a heavy defeat he was never in that match at all uh, and he and he he said. You know, the, the disappointment is is kind of is is different because I was never in with a chance of having a proper run last year, and clearly he thought he was onto something this year. Obviously impeded by the injury he'd sustained in Stuttgart when he reached the final and lost to Berrettini, but he reckons he got the all clear on that. He was okay. He was ready to go today, but he, he the fact that he couldn't get over the line, he couldn't win those important couple of points. He feels massive missed opportunity, and he he's just gutted, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's just uh, so frustrated to have drawn an, an informed John Isner. Beaten him um, eight times previously yeah. out of eight. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't look at that match and think trouble for Murray because of the record, yeah, because of how same. good he is against Isner, but... I mean, Isner was exceptional. I he mean, we, we have to say that, but... Mm. 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 Look, he, he's, you know, this was... It, it was different to Serena, you know, this... I mean, Serena might go on and very well, in fact, might go on and play the US Open, but he is in a different situation. I do, don't think this was a... It's all about Wimbledon. And certainly, this was a big focus, but I do think now it's big focus on US Open and he, re, you know, he was talking about Australia, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. It's, it's very much... It's a balance between he's taking nothing for granted. You know, he was asked about coming back next year and he was sort of, yeah, if my body allows it, of course I will be. Um, but it's it's medium term, isn't it, for Andy Murray? It's not last chance saloon. What I, what I enjoyed about this defeat was it was just a, it was a tennis defeat. He was gutted yeah. about it, but there was no element of tragedy. I there didn't was, think about his not, body once. I didn't no, think I didn't about, think his, about his body and I didn't feel like, you know, oh my, oh my God, I've got to get in there because this might be the last time I see Andy Murray on at Wimbledon. Look, it might be, but something would have to change. I think for something would have to go wrong in the next twelve months for for that to be the case. It just felt like a straightforward, really frustrating tennis defeat for yeah, him. I agreed. Um, and it was pleased. It was pleasing not to feel any sort of hugely. You know, usually it's all so laden with layers of emotion and pathos and poignancy isn't it with Andy Murray and and you know it was, it was a bit gutting to sit on Henman Hill and feel the deflation of everybody watching but it it, it at least wasn't pathos laden for one if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. 
but if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Where should we go now on this podcast <laughs> that's meandering in places that I haven't particularly planned. Shall we go to Carlos Alcaraz? Why not? Who played on court two today and it was a really hot ticket. I know this because, as I mentioned earlier, my dad and my brother came today and uh, my brother came pretty much with the sole aim of seeing (laughs) Carlos Alcaraz quote our Lord and Saviour in the flesh for the very first time. I mean, he's renamed the WhatsApp group to whatever it is. Alcaraz Mataz. Alcaraz Mataz, okay. I mean, he doesn't talk about tennis unless he's talking about Carlos Alcaraz these days, does he? We're we're talking about someone here that... um, So Alcaraz scheduled on court two today math with court one tickets very disappointing uh so plan plan a was just go and speak to some people at court two see if you can beg yourself on didn't pan out uh plan b at that stage was go to court 12 which is free seating go to the very top of court to the big <laughs> court 12 stand and see if you can stand on your tiptoes and get a view into court two um, which, how, did, how did that work out? Well, I don't think it worked out. We just ended up watching Adrian Manorino against Tommy Paul for quite a while. <laughs> yes, you can do the opposite. You can stand at the top of Court 2 and watch Court 12. doesn't work the other way around. Imagine you cannot see Court 2 Going court to a 12. court to watch Carlos Alcaraz and getting Adrian Manorino. <laughs> anyway, I won't tell, tell the full tale, um, but Math did end up watching some of Carlos Alcaraz in the living flesh. What did he think? Well, I was very interested in this because, look, I know Carlos Alcaraz is the real deal. He doesn't disappoint. You know, he is he is what it says on the tin. I'm pretty comfortable about the amount of hype that we attach to Carlos Alcaraz. However, with Math, you're dealing with, you know, going to court 12 to watch Adrian Manorino in order to catch a glimpse of the top of Carlos Alcaraz's head <laughs> level of um, expectation. And I was worried that, oh my God, he can only disappoint relative to that. Um, but he didn't. I think I think my brother's take was... I, it was very interesting, actually. He said, "Yes, look, there have been there have been moments of Alcarazzle dazzle, and they have been great. But what's been more striking is it, I'm just going to quote him because he put it far better than I could paraphrase. Um, he said, "I've been more impressed impressed with how high his floor is than how high his ceiling is. It's not yes, the the razzmatazz is." brilliant and breathtaking but he doesn't need that that's very to win him tennis matches i haven't really seen him win matches with a high floor before interesting well well i rocked up for for the final set for the latter stages and by this stage he's playing talon greeks ball he's he, he was good today actually but Alcaraz is completely in control at this point um and i saw very little Razzle dazzle, if any, to be honest, it was, it was just good grass court tennis. It was just a, quite a straightforward, good grass court performance. He really was playing grass court tennis, Meaning constructing what? grass court points. You know, knifed return, uh, knife approach shots that stay low, finished off with a, you know, with a 
with a good deep volley, not going for t- not going for too much on the volley. You know, just keeping it deep and low, and looked very balanced, really balanced. I'm not saying the movement is exactly there yet, but that's usually the telltale sign, isn't it, with people that are uncomfortable on grass? He had that sort of wide base feeling. It was very convincing. Yes, I've been fortunate enough to watch both of his first two matches and this was just a much more comfortable experience for him than Struff, who was coming at him, who was coming to the net, who was hitting it big, who was serving aces, who was putting him under constant pressure. Alcaraz was having to react to that and hang on, to be honest. I thought he was going out in round one. Um, here against Greekspor, Greekspor played well, but he doesn't have the weapons to to throw Alcaraz off balance in the way that someone like Struff does when he's playing well. And therefore, I think Alcaraz was just able to feel a lot more comfortable in the match. And I absolutely agree with that analysis. I, I didn't see these incredible highs that we're so used to from Alcaraz. There was maybe one where he sort of covered the length of the court in a split second as he does and hit a winner up the line um but otherwise he saved it for just tiny tiny little things like occasionally just latching on to two or three returns in a row and that was enough to get the break in the first set and then the second set went to a tie break and he has that thing Alcaraz where you expect him to play better the bigger the moment which is something that so many great players have, all great players have, I think. And he did it in the tiebreak. He won it seven love. You know, it had been a really close set, and suddenly he just went bang, 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 seven love, tiebreak is which his. Which is very two sets similar to what lead. he did against Struth, didn't we? He was three love down in the tiebreak and reeled off seven seven points in a row. Yeah, so you know, it was it was it was really interesting to watch him um, because I'm not expecting him to win this tournament in, in a way that, you know, I wasn't expecting him to win the French Open, but he was a real genuine title contender there. And he had his he had his struggles against Ramos Vinyalas. He ended up losing to Zverev. There was, you know, there was, again, it was seeing him in a different scenario. It was seeing him as a Grand Slam contender for the first time. Here, it's seeing him figure out grass, see what he's capable of. And I just think... He's going to get better and better the more he plays on. He, he's one of two players in this draw who can beat Novak Djokovic. The other one being Nadal. Mm-hmm. Mm. What about Tim Van Rijthoven? Well, <laughs> ovs. He was your. He was your. What was the fortune cookie again? Follow the path of your heart. Yeah. What if the path of his heart leads to beating Novak Djokovic, David? Well, I'm sure it does. He's on I it. I just think He's Novak Djokovic will say, I'll see your heart and I'll raise you this forehand well, with it down the line. Let's, let's, let's see what's in future for uh, Fortune Cookies. Um, his serve was also massive today, Alcaraz. I mean, he's again, it's about the floor, not the ceiling. Okay, we knew he could serve 130 miles per hour, but he's always serving over 120 miles per hour. It's very rare that a first serve drops below 120. It's just consistently big. You know, it's yeah, it's impressive. Um, okay, let's let's wrap up the men's draw. While while we seem to have arrived there, um, David gave Ryan Peniston the kiss of death today. Oh, I'm having a terrible time. <laughs> he lost to Steve Johnson. <laughs> I've had one prediction that's worked out on day one. Mm. Everything else has gone wrong. Yeah, poor Ryan Peniston. That was a, a tough one today. He got told I'd backed him. and he thought, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, do you have to? Yeah. <laughs> Cam Norrie avoided the same fate. He had to go five sets against Jaume Munar on court number one. Uh, what was Hannah's brilliant Cameron Norrie pun? No, more on, keep, more on. Keep Cam another. and Norrie on. Keep Cam and Norrie on, yes. Very good. That's that's our collective analysis <laughs> of this match. Uh, Ugo and Bear turned up to play the number three seed without any tennis rackets. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a moment, please? How does that happen? He, opened, pro, he got to the stage player. of opening his bag. 
before discovering there were no rackets Where in it. Where were they? Now, look, I really like Hugo Humbert. He incidentally beat the number three seed, Casper Ruud, today in four sets. But we're going to lead on the racket because he deserves Quite right it. too. Because <laughs> if you show up to a tennis match without racket, sorry. It's faff, you, isn't it? It's, it's more than faff. It's like <laughs> if you show up, if the match is called and you don't show up. Sorry, you didn't show up. That's the default. He, he should have got a penalty for it. Did it's, he? Would, it's, did he? It, it is, Sorry, uh, there's no is, tennis podcast tonight. We didn't bring our microphones. Absolutely. You don't show up able to play. I, I find it ludicrous. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like the whole your match is called... And, you know, Zverev does it all the time. I still haven't he? got over Mikhail Imer turning up about 12 minutes late for his match against Sorry, Felix the match Sozzi starts now. You weren't year. there. <laughs> the train's I'm not waiting for you, is what you're looking you, at me it? for. I agree with you. It's fine. Mm. Sorry, Hugo. Sort yourself out for next round. I mean, that is one of the talking points of the day, actually. That section of the draw... We're guaranteed a first-time Grand Slam semi-finalist already. Who have we got? We've got Hugo Humbert, David Goffin, Francis Tiafo, Alexander Bublik. He was great today, Tiafo. Oh, Cam- good. I've got him going far. Cameron Norrie, Steve Johnson, Tommy Paul, Yuri Vesely. A lot of Americans there. One of those eight will reach the semi-finals. Tiafo plays Bublik next, and that is going to be a fun time. Yeah. Mm. I like it. Tommy Paul. Tom, playing very well. Tommy Paul can play. Uh, hero is Tim Hemman, and he really means that. He's spent hours watching Tim Hemman on YouTube. One, wanted a, to learn the volleying, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. But it's Coach Brad Stone. Mm. I, um, yeah, usually when you hear that stat about guaranteed new semi-finalists, or quarterfinalist or finalist or whatever you think does that mean really sort of dodgy dodgy section of the draw but the, a lot of those names quite excite me actually yeah. you know yeah. I'm, I really like watching Tommy Paul and Francis Tiafo on and Alexander Bublik on grass and a few others in there as well I think it's did you say Cam Norris in there Cam Norris there's quite in a there. lot of sort of game diversity mm. among those names it's, and and different stages of of careers as well, yeah. Vesely and Johnson, Goffin, much more experience. Opportunity for Cam Norrie. Oh, this is the opportunity. This is the, one. this is the opportunity he's been waiting for. Although I mean, he, he had his work cut out today. He did. Yeah. He's not that comfortable. Not his, still on it's it. It's not his favourite surface, no. is it? No. Who's he got now? He has got Steve Johnson. But that's. It's I, a I mean, huge Steve Johnson's a, a, a good player, and he handled Peniston comfortably today. But that. That is a great opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. No, never never reached the second to... week of a slam before. I think he's got to beat himself to, to not win that, to be honest. I, that, I, we know how much he wants second week of a slam. Yeah. Favourite surface or not, he's But I think it's probably, probably Johnson's favourite against Norrie's least favourite. Th- I'd make Queen's Norrie finest. a slight, slight favourite. But not a, mm. not a huge favourite. Back to the women's draw then. Um, who knows where we'll end up here. Back to the women's draw. Um, upset on on paper, but not so much in, in reality. Annette Contivate, the second seed, um, went down meekly really to Julian Niemeyer, the, um, the the German player who we're, we're hearing more and more of of late. I, I hadn't heard of her before this season. I think before... Uh, Stuttgart maybe where she got a wild card in there but her name's popping up more and more into round three now um, at Wimbledon it's been a tough old time for Annette Contivate hasn't hasn't it she she had COVID, COVID around about seven or eight weeks ago clearly isn't right after that Matt you asked her about it in, in press today yes I did because um it was such an alarming performance, really, the way she was playing, the way she faded physically. Um, and she'd spoken before about the fact that she was still suffering uh, the effects of COVID. So, yeah, I just asked her about to sort of go through the timeline, how it's affected her life, um, her ability to train. And the big takeaway was that she thinks she came back too quickly 
after having COVID. Uh, and that then set her back even more. Um, she she said she tried to play Rome, but it was just an incredibly hot day. She just really, really struggled. She's been having a lot of energy dips, um, you know, just sleeping all the time. Just, you know, just, just really struggling with it, to be honest. And she said she feels a lot better now, but she had barely trained properly for Wimbledon and, you know, she did very well to win her, her first round really. Um, but just, just was nowhere near the required level today. She's, she's had a tough time of it and she, she put a sort of time stamp of quite a few more weeks before she'll be back in what she considers sort of top shape, uh, ready to compete at the highest level. You know, she needs, she needs time. Gosh, that's tough. We wish her well. Um, oh, let's stay. Let's stay in the slightly depressing realm and cover Garbina Muguruza, um, who resumed her match today with Grit Minnan. Uh, she'd lost the second, the, the first set yesterday. Was called off due to bad light. Um, had a had a reprieve to come back today, and went down six love in the second set. She she barely won points. Won seven points today. Goodness me, and it was it was tough scenes by all accounts out on court number two. Um she was crying on the court. Um there were no English questions in her press conference, but Matt, you you listened in to her Spanish. I did, yes. And I've heard I've heard some uh film critics say that the final line of a film tells you kind of everything you need to know about the film you know that's that's the crux of the film right there if we're applying that theory to Muguruza's press conference we have todo es confianza which means everything is confidence and she has got none at the moment she has absolutely no idea what is happening she says she's training well um she feels like she's played some good tennis this year and just not been able to close matches. And today she said it was just awful. She didn't play well at all. There was an accumulation of feelings, which is why she ended up in tears on the court. Um, and she was asked if she had one wish right now for her tennis, what would it be? And she said just one good tournament because she said that will snap me out of this rhythm where I'm losing a match and then having a week just to think about it. She said, there's so much, so much time between all my matches now. All I'm doing is thinking and stewing on these negative thoughts. And it's just it's just making it worse. What I need is to just to get in a rhythm of one match after one match after one match. So I'm not thinking. Um, yeah, she's in, a, she's in a really tough place right now. She was asked straight up whether she needs to change her coach, her setup at all. And she said, no, she doesn't think it's that. She has faith in her team um but yeah and that's conchita martinez exactly who you know we've we've seen their inc their incredible relationship over the last couple of years where muguruza has been the muguruza we all want to see you know and get into an australian open final and winning in guadalajara and so that spectacularly was so joyful wasn't it when she won in guadalajara it's hard to and so recently reconcile that these are the two same people it, it it feels like she's got the yips as though she just can't play the way she's she knows she's able to and, and it's beyond her it's not a, mm. it's not, doesn't, not a physical thing necessarily um I, I find it really sad because she's She's a really great player. You know, this is a winner of two Grand Slam singles titles who probably should have won many more for world number one. I just don't get it, and it's sad. Tennis is brutal. That's what I take from those quotes. Mm. What an absolutely brutal, unfathomable sport it is. Um, some positive stories from today. Maria Sakkari just sort of quietly winning two sets today. I... I don't know what to expect from her other than that I expect her to be one of those people that will give her all to trying to figure out the grass. And she keeps winning. You know, there are some players that Muguruza should be like. Why mm. is Sakri able to just, you know, punch out these wins mm. and Muguruza isn't? 
Doesn't Mary Carrillo, Mary, if you're listening, Hello, we hope Mary. you are, Hello. please confirm, doesn't she say that great athletes win Wimbledon? I'm sure that's mm. one of her lines. And, well, there's a great athlete. And I do feel like I only read the transcript of her press conference, but she was she was pretty punchy about the fact that she thinks she's improved on grass and apparently she was using her chip backhand quite a lot today. I think, I think she feels quite good and she's completely under the radar. Mm, and I'm, I think it's probably good for her. Probably. At the moment, she's had a couple of losses where she's got mm. very tight, hasn't she? But, you know, might might loosen her up a bit. Uh, Elena, Elena Ostapenko seems to be loose and that should terrify everybody in the draw. Um, she seems to be happening, doesn't she? She beat Wickmire today in straight sets. Swept her aside. Quite frankly, she's got Begu next. I mean, she's she's happening, Ostapenko. Don't don't know what it means. She's happening until it doesn't happen anymore because she can just throw in an absolute dud, and you never quite know when that's coming. Yeah. Well, hopefully not before the semi-finals, which is where I predicted <laughs> that she will reach. Is it in this tournament? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Bagula remains on her standard collision course with Iga Svantec. <laughs> uh, she finally got her first round done today. She beat Donna Vekic in straight sets. Good Heather win Watson. that, I think. Yeah, that but is a good she's win. Not, she's not played any matches on the grass. Bagula Vekic is a good grass court player who has played quite. A who few has matches. played quite mm. a lot. Yeah. Um, and Heather Watson won again today. That's you know, I just I, did she? No, no, she didn't. She She's didn't. T- still got to win one more game. Yeah, seven no. five. They came off a bad light. Seven five five four. She got broken serving <laughs> for the match, and then they got and then they called it for light. Oh, who's going to sleep the better tonight? What would you think about when you went to sleep that night if you're five four up? Dropping serve. <laughs> what do you think if you if you go to sleep at four or five down, and you, you've got it? You've breaking got to, back. I understand that, but like, do you distill it down into the? Do you think about what what I'm going to do with no, this point I'd, I'd, and this mm. forehand? No, I'd pop shit's creek on and you know <laughs> try and tune it all out. <laughs> would you? Yeah. We, we need to find out, Mary. What, That's always what, the solution. Yeah. What's creep? What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do the night before? Definitely. Just uh, don't deal with your problems. That's I, I, I nearly went with Ons Jabir for my fortune cookie, by the way. Um, she won today. Yeah. She's still was, not in a mix in your lifetime. If it David. wasn't for Tim Wrighthoven, sorry, Ons, you didn't quite make the cut. Out What's got, happened to Tim Wrighthoven's van? You are? What's happened to Tim Wrighthoven's van? <laughs> What's his name? Tim Van Wrighthoven. Oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. It's quite late, isn't it? Bit, Alex his... Minor. <laughs> Alejandro Fakinic. Van Zanschroep. This is a fun game, isn't it? <laughs> It's 20 past midnight. Oh, imagine how many listeners we got listening to us for the first time as a result of the New York Times thinking, what is this this wreck? Why was this profiled in the New York Times? Uh, Shall we end on some more dreck? Because I do want to mention the Twitter aggro between Harmony Tan and Tamara Corpatch. Oh, yes. No, Instagram aggro. Instagram aggro. Now, how, how do you choose these, which one to put is... it on? <laughs> well, it turns out there w- that the uh, Twitter was a fake. It was a fake Tamara Corpatch. <laughs> That's how big this aggro has got. That there are now fake Tamara <laughs> Corpatches. Fake Tamara Corpatches. <laughs> right, Tamara Corpatch. <laughs> Who lost in singles yesterday to Heather Watson um, was due was due to play doubles with Harmony Tan, who you'll who you'll know from beating Serena Williams last night in three hours and eleven minutes fame. Well, it has been a wild ride on the Instagram today of Tamara Corpatch. Uh, so, more first post this morning is her with a delicious looking breakfast. Uh, the quote is, good morning, have a wonderful day. The next quote 
is uh, the Wimbledon logo first round. She's tagged some people. She's tagged Harmony Tan. All is well in the world. Next, <laughs> next post is a picture of herself uh, overlooking centre court with update in red. <laughs> My partner Harmony Tan retired from our doubles just today in the morning. For me, not fair to tell me so late. She can't run because she played a three-hour match yesterday. Sorry, but I've played three hours thirty, six hours thirty-three in one day, and played a singles match next day. It's really not fair, and I'm very sad and disappointed that I can't <laughs> play my first Grand Slam doubles. It uh, doesn't end, end there. She started um, reposting other people's responses uh, <laughs> <laughs> with emojis, with sad, sad emojis uh, uh, attached to them. Then she says, thank you for all your comments, but I would like to say I don't hate my doubles partner for <laughs> drawing. I just... <laughs> I just want to share my feelings and my opinion uh, opinion about my situation. If I'm still competing in singles, I would still feel and do the same. I wanted to play my first Grand Slam doubles. That was my chance. Yesterday, she was so motivated to me and I was happy about our doubles. But just today in the morning, getting this message feels very painful. It's not a WTA tournament, which I can play almost every week. It's a Grand Slam. Then the next the next post is a sort of hazard emoji uh, with the caption, this is not me, uh, with a picture of the fake Tamara Corpatch Twitter account. <laughs> and she's written fake in red. And I would never talk like that. <laughs> I mean, it did sound exactly like her other statements. It, it really did sound in keeping. Um, and final post of the day... Um, goodness knows what's coming tomorrow but final post of today also that you don't misunderstand if she would tell me she has an injury I would never say anything against it it would be totally okay for me but as she told me after her match she was just tired because she arrived at the hotel at 1am I totally understand this but why couldn't she just tell me that she is injured I would have never made this post if she just talks to me (laughs) I mean you can delete Instagram posts um but anyway, I somewhat fear the damage is done for uh, the I'm... core patch uh, tan Harmony. dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what happens when Harmony Tan sees that and walks back into the hotel and, and goes... <laughs> She's just going to hold up her phone to, to uh, tomorrow core patch and just say... What's this? <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to speak again, David. Is that is that what happens? Well, there was that statement. There was another statement. She put out two statements. One is a story. One is a post. And in, in, in the one is a post, she she said that if you're not able to play another match after a three hour match one day, you can't be a professional. Oh my! She God, called into she? yeah. She called into question Tan's professionalism. By the way, uh, when we were regaling five live listeners about this, we had Pat Cash on with us, and, and he said he remembers 1984, the year he reached his first Wimbledon semi-final in singles. He also reached the doubles final, playing best of five set doubles mm. alongside Paul McNamee. And he said, honestly, by the time I got to that final weekend, I was toast. I my legs were like rubber in that Grand Slam single semi-final. Um, and, you know, after that tournament, I, I sort of didn't play much doubles because of that. He said, but there was no chance that I was pulling out the doubles. No chance. Sorry, I've, I've just found the uh, the post. Um, she says, it's really not fair to me. Sad emoji. I didn't deserve that. She asked me before the tournament if we want to play doubles, and I said yes. I didn't ask her. She asked me. (laughs) If you're broken after a three-hour match the day before, you can't play professional. That's my opinion. (laughs) Hashtag Wimbledon. Hashtag Wimbledon 22. Hashtag tennis. Hashtag tennis player. Hashtag hashtag Tamara (laughs) Corpatch. She's hashtagged herself. Please tell me she hashtags Harmony's... Hashtag, hashtag Tamara Corpatch, hashtag Tammy Corpatch, didn't want to miss, hang on, hashtag Tamiko, and hashtag unsportsmanlike, hashtag not fair, hashtag unfair, 
Hashtag mad. Hashtag sad. <laughs> it's uh, it's really um, it's splendid. The 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 injured thing. Would she have been happy if Harmony Tan had declared herself too injured for doubles, but carried on in singles? Well, she ha- she has pulled out injured because you have to be injured, but you have to mm. put an injury down on a piece of paper. So I think she's said a thigh injury or something. But privately, she's saying privately, it's because she she's said, tired. I'm tired. It's 1am. Try doing a blooming nightly podcast harmony <laughs> never Har- play doubles harmony again Tan is the least likely player i would have said to have a beaten serena williams in the sort of biggest <laughs> moment of the tournament so far on center court and b be involved in the biggest aggro of the I tournament mean, is so she far. involved in it though yes she's not responded <laughs> she's caused it sort of mm. Well, maybe tomorrow we get the response. Yeah, desperately. I'm going so. going to her press conference. <laughs> just, tell you what, let's take Catherine and just get to read that out. <laughs> um, anyway, I Gosh. loved it. <sighs> Publicly dragging your doubles partner. Mm, well, they're not doubles partners <laughs> anymore, are they? Never will be. Um, do we have anything else to add from today's uh, thrill ride of a podcast? <laughs> Any other business? No. Shall I read you tomorrow's order of play? This is day four at Wimbledon. Katie Bolter against Karolina Pliskova. Bolter beat Pliskova in Eastbourne last week, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Ricardis Barankis faces Rafael Nadal, second on. Um, I won't do my Barankis joke because, you know, we'll have so many new listeners from the New York Times. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to alienate them, but... He did once insult my attractiveness. Um, Coco Goff against Mayla Bazanescu uh, is third on centre court. Number one court, Jordan Thompson against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Uh, then Iga Shontek against, now bear with me here, folks, Leslie Patinama Kakove, who is a 30 year old Dutch player. She was a lucky loser. Uh, who came in as a result of Danka Kovinic, um pulling out ahead of the tournament. I think COVID for Kovinic. And then last match on number one court, match of the day for me, Alex de Menor against Jack Draper. Um, and from a very myopic British perspective, they could really do with Draper going on a run, doing something fun, couldn't they? He's not the only Brit left in. Harriet Dart won today. Who have we got tomorrow? Cam Norrie won today, of course. Um, but it would be it would be fun, I think. Paola Bedosa is on court two. Nick Kyrgios against Queen's finalist Philip Krajinovic. Harriet Dart plays again tomorrow against Jessica Begula. And Simona Halep against an, a former junior champion, Kirsten Flipkins. Liam Brody is also still in the tournament for Brits. Uh, he's on court number three tomorrow. Alistair Gray against Taylor Fritz. Bianca Andrescu, Elena Rabakina is also a match tomorrow that I've got eyes emoji on. Uh, and that just leaves me to thank Willow, our lovely Wimbledon mascot, Darwin, for for enduring David. <laughs> I, mean, I can't argue really, can I? <laughs> Carter for sticking with me through thick and thin, happened to be thin today, or thick, depending on which way you look at it. But, um, yeah, points on the board, finally. And dearly departed Gerald, represented by Matt. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Kyle Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee are our executive producers and top blokes. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We do. We have Fiona Simpson in Brisbane. Hello, Fiona. All right, Fiona. Like Fiona Ferro. Fiona Ferro. Thank goodness you found one. Matt's former femme du jour. Mm. Yeah, you haven't spoken about her for a while, have you? No, it was a very specific, very COVID-y period in time when yeah. she was a thing. Yes. That French Open. Yeah, the October one. Mm. Indeed. My parents used to live in Brisbane. I yes. say this every time someone mm. from Brisbane pops up, but it, it remains true. 
Thanks a lot, Fiona, for being our Thank friend. Thank you, Fiona. We also have Kate Bradley from Iowa City. Oh, which presumably is in Iowa State. Presumably so. Mm. Right, Kate. Hello, Kate lots has of, lots two of dogs. Tennis, Kate. Hello. What sort? More details, please. Bogart, <gasps> a greater Swiss mountain dog. Oh. And Harley, an Australian shepherd. Oh, these are good dogs. Are there any not good dogs? No, there aren't. But there are <laughs> there are dogs that make me make noises like like Bogard and Harley did. Yeah. Good dogs. And we have another dog lover as our third shout out, Marty Betton in Philadelphia, hey. who has a rescue pug named Dexter oh. and a rescue pit bull named Belle. Oh, Dexter and Bell. You're right about the noises. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, pit bulls are a banned breed in the UK, and that's terrible because they're lovely dogs. There, there are no bad dogs, any bad owners. Yeah. Well, I reckon Marty's a good owner. Thanks, Marty, for we being like our Marty. friend. We like Marty. Great name. Yeah. Great name. Great city, Philadelphia. All the great things. Um, thank you very much, all of you, for supporting the tennis podcast if you would like a shout out and why wouldn't you after that slightly erratic showing um (laughs) you can become a friend of the podcast and get access to all the joys that that brings uh the link to do that is in our show notes uh and you can also get yourself an intro all sorts of fun to be had link also in our show notes to become a newsletter subscriber that is entirely free of charge so why wouldn't you do it Uh, You can leave us an Apple podcast review. You can definitely tell your friends. You can read about us in the New York Times. Uh, The article is still online and we are still pinching ourselves. Uh, Never closing the tab. (laughs) When we're done with that, (laughs) we'll be back with another Wimbledon Day 4 podcast tomorrow and we'll speak to you then. 